Hey, Rocketeers, this is your host, Greg Webb. If you want to hear more awesome audio adventures and are looking for a way to support the show, sign up for the brand new Rocketeer Club membership. As an official Rocketeer Club member, you will get access to the entire Purple Rocket Library ad-free. You'll also get access to exclusive series, like our fully produced sci-fi epic, Norb, or the improvised bedtime stories I tell to my kids. You'll get activity books to accompany each of the seasons. I'm releasing one per month until I'm caught up. You'll get discounted merch, book-formatted read-alongs, and an app for a seamless listening experience. You can also gift a membership to your friends and family. So visit purplerocketpodcast.com or click the link in the episode description to sign up. Again, to get more audio adventures and help support the Purple Rocket, go to purplerocketpodcast.com or click the link in the description and sign up for an official Rocketeer Club membership. Thank you so much for your support, Rocketeers. And now, back to our show. Previously on Winglings, I heroically saved a badger barter from Dark Minions. As a reward, I was given a strange shadow stone. The badger also told me that my sister Emerald was looking for me. So, I headed home to Emerald Creek where my sister was handling my Pixie King duties. I was called home because the dark was spreading through the enchanted forest and my friend Timothy Toad had been appointed as the Dark One. I set out to stop him, and M insisted on coming. So, I gave in. And now for episode two, Sour Fruit. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents... Winglings and the Fairy Kings. I woke from a troubled sleep. My mind had spent the night swirling with images of facing the Dark One in the Battle of Emerald Creek, with dark minions swarming my peaceful home. I dreamt of fishing with my best friend Timothy Toad. Tim would always catch little gnats with his tongue for me to use as bait. I dreamt about how Tim had tried to warn my people that the Dark Army was coming, but they laughed him out of the palace. Perhaps Tim did have good reason to hate fairies. I looked out the canvas of the invisible teepee at the rising sun, barely spreading its orange rays through the weeping pines. Anne was already awake. I could see her sitting next to the creek with a bowl on her lap. She was waving her hand over it and mumbling to herself. I stepped out and packed up the teepee, which from the outside looked as though I were folding only air. You'll need fire if you're trying to boil it, I said, tucking the tent into my pack. I know, Em said curtly without looking up. Her concentration on the little wooden bowl of water intensified. Nishna! The water splashed up into her face. I laughed. That'll come in handy if you ever have a hard time waking up. Em threw the bowl aside. You could just train me, you know. 
Maybe if you weren't so busy fixing your hair, you'd be able to show me how it's done. Hey, leave my hair out of this. It's sensitive. And soft. And flowy. Gah! Em rolled her eyes. Come on, let's get moving. I slung my pack over my shoulder and started flying down the creek. Em flew up next to me. I've grown strong, Will. You've always been strong. I leaped along rocks sticking out of the creek and flew up again. I mean stronger at wielding Pixie, but I'm sloppy. It only bends to my will when I'm really upset or or, or scared, and even then it's rarely what I imagined it would be. The other day I accidentally turned my feet into hands. I looked ridiculous. Did you climb around making monkey noises? I laughed. I might as well have. Will, I need to learn to control what I create. You don't need my help creating, I said. You obviously created something last night. That was a fluke. I was trying to turn you into a worm. That's rude. I need your help, Will. If I can better wield Pixie, I'll be more useful in our quest. We flew through an owl hole in a trunk and out the other side, continuing along the meandering creek. I like to mix things up on my flights. We don't have time to train you, I told her. Is that what Magborn told you when you asked to learn? Don't bring him into this. Why? Is it like your hair? Too sensitive? When's the last time you reached out to him, huh? You know he stopped by a couple of times looking for you. He looks more disappointed every time I see him. Cool your pixie. I stopped flying and M bumped into me. I'm not training you, and that's final. I brought you along. Be grateful for that. I turned and flew on, my wings flapping in her face. You're here to keep me company, nothing more. Oh, is that right? M clenched her fists at her sides as she flew. Okay, then. I'll just keep you company by serenading you with a song. Oh, light, don't you de- La la la, la la li I tried to ignore her as we flew deeper into the forest. The weeping pine trees with their drooping branches were enormous in this part of the realm. They were big enough to house little feather bees, cute little people covered in feathers who lived in the upper branches. They looked up from harvesting pine nuts and waved to us. Just beyond them, I fluttered down to the ground where Emerald Creek came to a fork. What is it? Em asked, flying down next to me. I bent down and observed the water. Does this stream look darker to you? Em tilted her head at it. It is a bit murkier. What do you think? Could be the shadowy trail of Dark Pixie. I watched as thin wisps of black slithered up the current. I say we follow it. Doesn't that stream lead to the fruit fairies? Em looked upstream. It does. Don't they like to keep to themselves and not bother with the rest of us fairies? I sighed. That's true, but we have no choice now, do we? It's the only trail we have to follow. Besides, I hear their fruit is amazing this time of year. Mm, Do you think they'll have bananas? I've always wanted to try one of those. Maybe your spell did turn you into a monkey. Come on. We flew up the stream... Its waters darkening the further we went. By the time we reached the Fruit Fairy Kingdom, it was as dark as humbleberry juice. That wasn't the only thing that looked out of sorts. 
The fruit grove, an open hilly pasture streaked with rows of fruit trees, looked all but abandoned. The trees with their ancient trunks and wide canopies were sick and withered. Normally, the huge fruit hanging from their limbs was colorful and full. White and pink blossoms would decorate the grove and fall like snow in the slightest breeze. A sweet smell had once filled the air the last time I'd peeked in on the reclusive tribe. But now, pale fruit sat pathetically on the branches, shriveled, discolored, much of it fallen and decomposing on the ground. The air stung to high pixie, and the little homes that were made from hollowed-out fruits were covered in moldy spots. I was shocked to see fruit fairies going in and out of them. Em and I walked into the village, trying our best to hide our disgust. The fruit fairies, who were very shy and rarely said a word, were particularly skittish. Dressed in fruit skins, they cowered back at a sudden arrival. A family dressed in orange peel quickly retreated into their hollowed grapefruit home and shut the peel door. Little children dressed in red apple skin watched nervously from the windows of their apple house. Above them, smoke trailed up from the stem chimney. Is this a plague? Em whispered. Did the fruit become infested? I hope that's what it is, I said, trying to give a friendly wave to a fruit fairy who didn't return the gesture. Instead, he practically dove into the doorway of his double mango hut. One fruit fairy finally built up the courage to approach them. She emerged from a large assortment of fruit at the edge of the village. The fruit was piled high like a magnificent fruit basket. Oranges and apples with crowns of grapes, blueberries, and strawberries. There were a couple of towers of bananas and a large double door cut into the main pineapple. Darkened windows covered the huge structure that looked as though it was sinking to one side. She was a striking older fairy with braided silver hair, wearing a gown made of several different kinds of fruit seeds and a glittering crown with diamonds in the shape of a bundle of grapes. Despite her majestic presence, she looked pale and sickly. Queen Clementine, I said, giving her a bow. King Willem, the fruit fairy queen curtsied. And you are? She raised her eyebrows at Emerald. Emerald Wingling, Em said with a bow. Your sister, Clementine, looked at me surprised. My, how she's grown. The tales of your adventures together are legendary, even in these parts. Tell me, to what do I owe the pleasure? I glanced around at all of the fruit fairies who were watching us from the safety of their rotting doorways and cracked windows. May we speak in private? I asked. Of course, right this way. The fruit queen guided us into a palace, which was even more spectacular on the inside. Chandeliers made from clear lychee fruit flickered with pixie light and hung from a carved melon cathedral ceiling. A grand staircase made entirely of cherries curved up several stories inside the pineapple, its handrail a thick twisting braid of cherry stems. And if I leaned to one side, I could see a throne carved out of a pear sitting at the top. But even all this, in all its glorious detail, looked as though it were losing its color. The fruit that had once been perfectly preserved by pixie magic was now starting to decay. The dark is spreading once again, I told the queen. I hear Timothy Toad has taken charge of the dark minions, 
and is using them to take over parts of the Enchanted Forest. Have you heard anything? Anything of Timothy's whereabouts? Clementine hesitated. What do you care if the dark spreads? Uh, excuse me? Why the sudden interest, King Willem? We fruit fairies may be isolated, but even my pollinators have heard how you've been away from the throne for some time, gallivanting about the realm. M suppressed a smile. I struggled to gather myself. I have not been gallivanting. With all due respect, my excursions are none of your concern. I'm engaged in this cause because I, like most of us, don't want to see the entire kingdom shadowed by the dark, consumed by its despair. I couldn't help but be a tad distracted by my dreary surroundings. I know Timothy Toad. He's my... an acquaintance. If I can find him, I believe I can stop him. The queen smiled, and for the first time I noticed a strange countenance about her. A sudden chill sent a shiver through my wings. You cannot defeat him, the queen said coldly. You cannot stop the shadow from spreading. The dark will consume us all, and we need not resist. We must not resist. Do you hear what you're saying? M said, and then composing herself, added, Your Highness, surely we can join forces to push it back. Embracing the dark only brings suffering. How would you know? The queen said through gritted teeth. You know nothing of the dark. You're but a fairyling. The dark is power, unity, and order. The quicker it spreads, the better. You can't possibly mean that, I said quietly, aghast at what I was hearing. You will find no assistance here, King Willem, the queen said, again with a strange, menacing smile. Good day to you both. She gestured for the door and we helped ourselves out. Well, that was strange, I said after the door slammed shut behind us. Strange? Em was pacing back and forth, her wings fluttering wildly. She all but embraces an alliance with the dark. How could she? Why would she? A short fruit fairy flew over to us. Pardon me, your majesty, the man said with a bow, his peach seed hat nearly falling off. Yes? The man nodded over my shoulder towards the palace. I don't know what the queen told you, but something's awful wrong here and it started at the back of the grove where the stream feeds the pond. All the fruit trees died quickest there, and ever since, his wings trembled, the fruit has started to stink all through the village. People aren't thinking straight. They say things. They are whispers. Something's awful wrong here, I tell you. The man looked less pale and sickly than the other fruit fairies. Your complexion, Em said, looking him over, it has more color than the rest. The man swallowed. Yes, I, I spend more time inside these days. Seems the more we're out and about, the more it affects us. And I never, never go to the back of the grove. The back of the grove is that way, you say? I pointed past the palace. The man nodded. Follow the boozleberry bushes. They'll take you to the dead trees. Thank you, I said. Stay inside as much as possible. I don't know what's happened here, but surely the dark has something to do with it. Light with you. Light shineth upon you, Master Willem. With all eyes on us, 
Em and I flew over the fruit palace to the far grove. Again, the farther we went, the gloomier the landscape came. Rows of fruit trees had gone from sad to downright dreadful. By the time we reached the back of the grove, the trees were completely dead. Some black as if charred from fire, others white as bone. The pond was murky and smelled like a gassy mole. What happened here? Em poked at a black apple that turned to dust at a touch. I scowled at my surroundings. This is the dark's doing. I know it. My hand rested on the hilt of my Zaxlin sword, and Gabriel's voice came into my mind. There is danger here, Willem. Be alert. Feel the pixie. All I feel is cold, dark shadow. What else am I supposed to feel? Em looked at me like I was crazy. Sorry, I was just talking to... I pointed to my sword, and Em nodded knowingly. Feel for movement, Gabriel told me. Pixie shifts in the currents, even when consumed by the dark. Okay, I said, trying to understand. Any more advice? Yes. Train the girl. You can't be serious. I'm not going to train her. Now is not the time. Don't be ridiculous, Willem. The light bestows time to all who are willing to wield pixie power. She has the gift. You've seen it. She will become a great warrior with your help, just as Magborn shaped you into the wielder you are. Don't bring him into this. I'm not going to do it. I don't feel like it. Just like you don't feel like taking up the duties of a pixie king, your gifts and power were meant to be shared. Hoarding them for yourself will bring about the suffering of not just yourself, but entire kingdoms. Enough! I let go of my sword and the voice disappeared. I turned to see M standing behind me, arms folded. Did you tell yourself off? She asked with a smirk. Convince yourself not to train me, did you? Carvers, M, let off it! I fluttered off the ground and examined the trees more closely. I had just landed on the black branch of a dead cherry tree when I felt it. A sudden shudder, like a cold breeze blowing across my shoulders. I quickly turned, but saw nothing there. What is it? M called to me from a lower branch. More alert, I scanned the trees. We're not alone. I closed my eyes and felt the pixie around me. So much darkness. An unpleasant, humid dread loomed thick in the air. I felt it again. This time, my senses latched onto the movement. A cold shudder. It was coming from below. My eyes followed it downward and focused on the branch on which M stood. The branch moved. M, fly! The branch on which she stood was moving faster, for it wasn't a branch at all, but rather an enormous black centipede. Its rows of horrible yellow legs stretched and reached for M just as she lifted off. Duck! I shouted. M ducked as I fired my blowpipe at the creature. The dart bounced off the centipede's hard armored shell. I fired a few more. They too just bounced off and tumbled down the tree. The long minion was fully awake now, crawling with incredible speed. 
moving smoothly around the branch like a plated serpent. Two antenna curled away from its fanged mouth like an awful mustache. Its tiny legs twitched quickly, making it glide along the tree. It was coming up for me. I drew Gabriel and dove for it. Whack, whack, whack! I swung and missed over and over. The monster swooped out of the way before I could strike. Rocks bounced off its hard back. Get away, you wretched snake! Anne was flying around it and throwing rocks. It's not... Whack! Uh, whack, whack, snake! What is it then? Bruh. Another rock bounced off the beast's head. It's a centipede! Honestly, Em, you call yourself a fairy? Oh, shut it! Bruh. I charged the massive crawler, exchanging blows. We went around the trunk, up the tree and around branches. But every strike I managed to land bounced off its plated back. I needed to get to its belly. Around the tree we went again, only this time I found myself alone on the other side. The centipede had vanished. I heard chants coming from the edge of the blackened grove. Em and I turned to see a growing group of fruit fairies gathering to watch the fight. Look, they're cheering for us, I said. Isn't that nice? Em turned her ear towards them. They're not cheering for us, they're cheering against us. Behind me, a huge rotten peach bulged. The skin slowly split apart. Its juicy inside stretched. A black head emerged. Silently, the huge centipede crawled out of the peach and curled around it. The peach rotted under its touch. The creature pulled back at the top and ready to strike. A gooey, sticky noise made me slowly turn around. The centipede lunged. I drew my Zaxlin and threw it. Gabriel for the heart! Gabriel's winged handle came alive and soared right at the centipede's exposed heart, a shining black spot on its chest. The glimmering point of Gabriel's blade flew straight and true. Just as he was about to pierce the beast, a club flew in and knocked him out of the way. Gabriel spun away and stuck into a tree. Stunned, I looked and saw the fruit fairies throwing clubs and rocks. Gobbers, I said, just before the centipede could wrap around me and squeeze. Its disgusting legs folded around me. It was getting harder to breathe. The fruit fairies cheered louder. The centipede's fanged mouth lowered over my head. Gabriel struggled to free himself from the nearby tree his handle wings flying furiously. Nana Caspra! Em shouted. A burst of light blazed over me in the centipede. The creature arched its back and squealed in agony. Letting me go, it stood tall and shook terribly in the blinding pixie light. Then, with a most horrible sound, the outer plated layer of the creature peeled back like a banana and what was left of it shriveled away like a weed in fire. I ran over and caught Em before she could collapse. Her arms were still outstretched, and her red hair stuck to her sweaty face. Em! Em! She gradually opened her eyes and groaned. Are you okay? Em nodded. Tired, but okay. I could feel the tingling of active pixie on her skin. 
You just turned that centipede into a rotten banana. Gross. I just looked at a disgusting fruit nearby and said whatever words came to mind. I didn't know it would do that. I smiled and shook my head. I've never seen anything like it. I looked at the group of gathered fruit fairies. They were no longer cheering, but instead looking at each other confused. Many of them were surprised to find a club in their hand. Some of them appeared to have awakened from some sort of trance. Others remained crabby and disappointed. I glanced back at the centipede, or what was left of it. Something gleamed on the ground next to it. I fluttered over and picked it up. It was the blackened heart of the beast. Only it wasn't a heart, but a shadow stone, I whispered, turning it over in my hand. Far off on the other side of the enchanted forest, Timothy Toad looked down at his own shadow stone, glimmering in his webbed hand. He looked horrible, nothing like his old light heart itself. He was paler, thicker, and had bags under his eyes. He wore black armor with spikes on the shoulders, and at his side was a blade, massive, curved, black and menacing. Spikes jutted out of it. My lord... A Luna had flown over to him and waited anxiously for his reply. Your orders? Behind him, a legion of minions was fighting with a clan of gnomes at the bottom of the hill. Timothy touched the hilt of his shadow's axlin and it spoke to him. You've done well, Timothy. The more stones we find, the more powerful you will become. When we have enough, we will take them to the great tree and make you the most powerful dark one to ever shadow the realm. Yes, <laughs> Timothy croaked. Oh, I can feel it. The power grows stronger. That doesn't belong to you, you evil toad, one of the gnomes cried, breaking rank and running up the hill towards him, club in hand. Strike the ground, the shadow Zaxxon urged. Timothy drew it and thrust the black blade into the hill. Boom! The ground beneath the gnome and the rest of the gnome fighters exploded beneath them in a burst of smoke. Crack! Boom! 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 The tops of their mushroom homes in the distance exploded, and charred chunks of cap and frills rained down around them. There was crying and wailing. One by one, the gnomes surrendered and laid down their weapons. Timothy looked down at his sword, stunned and amazed. Far off at the other end of the forest, I felt the sudden surge of dark pixie through the stone in my hand. I threw it into my pack next to the other stone and shut it tight. It took much of my strength just to push away the dark pixie swirling around me. Em had recovered her strength and flew over. Oh, you were right. I stared off in a daze. Never had I felt such penetrating darkness, such overpowering dread in all my fairy life. Will, what is it? I finally blinked and looked at her. I'm going to train you. Em practically glowed at my words. Gabriel finally unstuck himself from the nearby tree and flew into my hand. Sorry about that, he said. Looks like you made it out okay. Yeah. I did. I sheathed them at my side and smiled. As Em and I continued on our way, 
we could hear a few grateful cheers from the fruit fairies behind us. Rocketeers, hope you enjoyed that episode of Winglings and the Fairy Kings. The story, I am a fan of the Winglings world. This uh, Wings of Light series is just a blast. I'm excited for what's to come, and I think you're really going to like it. Awesome. Fun stuff. I want to thank my mom, Roxanne Webb, for helping edit this episode, and Jeremy from HarmoniousIdeas.com for helping edit the audio. I am not a fan of creepy crawlies. Uh, centipedes, I've only come across one centipede in my life. And it was when I was on a campout, a Boy Scout campout. We went to Apache Lake in Arizona. And we took the boat out to this like little island or something to set up camp. And I think they had warned us that there could be like some spiders and stuff, but I'll never forget sitting around the campfire at night uh, with my buddies and we're sitting there and in the flickering light of the fire, you can just see these hand-sized shadows crawling in and out of the light and nobody had their feet on the ground. We're like, oh my gosh, what is that? And there were just tons of them. So I'm like, I'm going to bed. This is nuts. I'm not, This is not worth roasting marshmallows in. And I went to bed. And uh, probably didn't sleep so well. And I remember the next morning when I got up and I was going to the bathroom, trying to find a place to go to the bathroom, there was, I felt something like crawl by my foot and I jumped and it was this huge, nasty centipede. Oh, it was nasty. I think it was like red with those yellow legs. Oh my gosh. And I, I'm sure I squealed. I probably made some really embarrassing noise and probably dove back into my tent, whatever little zipper hole was open. I just like dove into it. Needless to say, I don't think I ever went to uh, Apache Lake to camp again. So this is obviously not a good shout out to Apache Lake if you're in Arizona. There are other lakes to go camp out, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, just writing about the centipede made me just think of that one encounter I ever had with one. Wasn't a fan. Was not a fan. And I want to give a couple shout outs. Adam from Erie, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for listening and patrons Miles and Asa from Seattle. I hear you guys are enjoying Winglings. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. You guys are awesome. I also want to wish a happy birthday to Wesley, who just turned nine, and Kiara Bell, who just turned five, and they're both from Oregon. Hope you guys have an awesome birthday. Rocketeers, big and small, parents, kids, grandparents, The feedback has been great. I love the emails, the Facebook messages, any artwork that's been shared. I love it. I love it. 
I'm going to try to be more active in the community. It's uh, I have a lot of chuckling right now, but I'm going to try to be more engaged. I'll, of course, keep responding to your direct messages. But um, anyway, I just love the feedback. And thank you so much for sharing the stories with your friends at school, with family members, cousins. It means the world to me when you guys uh, refer the podcast to other people. It means a lot. You're awesome. Rocketeers. Till next time, this is your host, Greg Webb.